What's going on, Code listeners? Dr. Andrew Fix here. And I want to tell you about our friends at Element. Element makes a tasty electrolyte drink with everything that you need and nothing that you don't. That means the science-backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, and none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. And that's why I use it. I've been taking Element for two years now, and I absolutely love the stuff, and I wouldn't want to exercise without it. For all of you code listeners and friends of Physio Room, Elements offered a special to you guys, and I want you to take advantage of it. Go ahead and visit drinkelement.com slash physioroom. That's drinklmnt.com slash physioroom to receive that special offer. You're going to get a free variety pack with any purchase that you place, and I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. Thanks so much. Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. What's going on, guys? Dr. Andrew Fix, back here for another episode on The Code. Uh, Like I tell you every time, thank you so much for tuning in to join us for this episode. And uh, if you've been a listener to this show before, you may have seen we've had another episode with this same interview guest. Uh, So we've got Hallie Brooke joining us again for the second time. And as a quick recap, she's the founder and CEO of an organization called Live Nourished. Um, She's a certified functional medicine nutrition counselor. And um, she is going to join us today to talk about all things gut health. And uh, Hallie, thank you so much for joining us and for coming back on The Code. It's a total honor. Thank you for having me back. Absolutely. My pleasure. And um, for those of you guys who maybe haven't listened to that episode before, um, Hallie and I got connected through another one of our providers, Dr. Nate Henry, who you maybe have heard on this podcast too, or seen episodes with his name. Um, And She and her team at Live Nourish have basically been our go-to from a nutrition perspective with our clients at Physio Room down in the Colorado Springs area, especially um, since that's where she is. Um, And this whole topic of like functional medicine, nutrition, and what we put in our body being, being something that like really helps our body function, it goes hand in hand with what we do at Physio Room. And um, I'm excited to get into this topic of gut health specifically because we've done some other episodes on this show related to nutrition or related to functional medicine, but not specifically about the gut. So um, I guess my opening question for you, Hallie, would be just, I would love for you to give another brief introduction of yourself and um, how, where did Live Nourished come from and how did you get into this, you know, functional medicine and counseling people when it comes to nutrition? And then we'll take this down the gut health uh, route here after that. Yeah, absolutely. So I was a um I was a math teacher for 9 years before I kind of made a career transition and that was a really awesome, really rewarding, really massively stressful job. And in the process of teaching math to middle schoolers for 9 years, I ended up getting super sick and I had the weirdest cluster of symptoms. My arms went numb. I got shingles at age 24, which is not a thing. Like you people don't get shingles at 24. Um, and you know, I had dark circles under my eyes. I had no relation to how much I slept and I couldn't keep anything down. Food either came out the top or came out the bottom immediately, no matter what it was. And after seeing seven doctors, 
uh, who just told me like, yeah, we're not really sure. Um, I had a doctor tell me, well, if chicken and lettuce is what you can keep down, then that's just what you should eat. And I was like, forever? And he was like, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I just, I had this moment where I went, no, I can't, I can't live like that. (laughs) That's not an option. Um, And so I sort of stumbled into this world of functional medicine, looking for solutions for myself because I had all of these symptoms and I, I thought, you know, these have to be coming from somewhere. They have to be coming from somewhere. Like people don't just get this sick for fun. Um, and so I started learning about gut health. This was 15 years ago before gut health was kind of a trending term and leaky yeah. gut and gut permeability. It was not a thing. There was one one doctor who had a blog about it. And so I, I just sort of started stumbling into this world and learning how your gut is connected to absolutely everything. It's connected to your skin. It's connected to your mental health. It's connected to your physical health. It's it's everything. And started learning how the gut was made and how it's designed and how it functions and just kind of pieced together largely for myself how to heal it. And then that got paired with a lot of prayer and I left teaching and started focusing on healing my stress and all these things. And lo and behold, I'm a hundred percent better. And I now can not only eat a lot more than chicken and lettuce, I can also eat things like gluten and dairy that were absolute no-goes for me before. And so fell into this world, fell in love with it, went back to school and thought, oh my gosh, there are so many more people who are dealing with what I dealt with and are going through what I've gone through and have been to seven doctors and still have no answers. And there is an answer. Um, and so that's where Live Nourished came from. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And you're, you're totally right. Your story is right in, in that there are so many people dealing with such similar things as the experience you went through. We hear it from people every day or, or a client that I have in the office right now, I actually just saw her husband today before I hopped on this episode with you. The best thing that I ever did for this individual was refer her to somebody like yourself who is helping her from a gut standpoint and her physical aches and pains are going away. Yes. And it Woo. just wasn't making sense in the office. You know, we were treating her for what appeared to be musculoskeletal orthopedic things. And we were having improvement. Don't get me wrong. But it just wasn't quite improving to the point where I expected it to or where we thought it should. And then things started not making sense. She started not having the expected, like, we couldn't reproduce her symptoms anymore by doing physical stuff or Mm. did things we thought would improve her symptoms. They didn't change it as much as we expected. And I said, you know what? I I think there's more going on here than just back pain, right? And I think we've gotten to the point where the symptoms we were treating, you're, you're doing better. I think we need to get another provider involved. And she had some additional testing. And now wouldn't you know it, she is so happy for the referral. (laughs) And she's like, I've never felt this good in the last 20 years. Um, Yeah. So what I guess I want to start with is kind of like on the physical side, when a provider says the word, the core, Mm -hmm. that's a whole lot of things. So when we say we're going to talk about the gut, what exactly are we talking about? And what aren't we talking about when it comes to what the gut is and what the gut is not? Yes. Fantastic question. So when we say, when I say your gut, I'm mostly talking about your large intestine, which is where all of your colonocytes live. It's where, um, all, most of your food is, is digested and absorbed. When someone talks about gut health or they talk about leaky gut or gut permeability, we're talking about your large intestine. 
obviously your your gut, your GI tract is yeah. everything from your mouth down your esophagus, through your stomach, through your small intestine, through your large intestine and your colon and out. That's your GI tract. But when we're really talking about gut health, we're mostly talking about your large intestine. And in some occasions when it comes to SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, that kind of stuff, then we're talking about your small intestine. Or if we're talking about acid reflux, then we're talking about stomach and esophagus. But mostly when we're talking about gut, we're talking about large intestine. Got it. Yeah. Thanks for that. And Mm -hmm. um, now I used to remember this and I know it's not like a one, one number fits all, but when we eat something like generally speaking, depending on what that is, how long does that normally take to pass through our body from like, we eat it, it goes into our stomach. How long does it take to get into our small intestine? How long does it spend there generally? How long does it take to get into the large intestine and how long does it spend there and the colon before you excrete what, what hasn't been absorbed? <laughs> That's a great question. And the answer is it depends on who you are and how healthy you are. Totally. Ideally, that stuff should stay in our body for no longer than 24 hours. We should be pooping every day. And, and what I'm pooping today should be what I ate yesterday. Um, that's our ideal. Where How long it spends in each part of that varies, but 24 hours from input to output is our goal. Yeah. Um, obviously, we have people who, you know, back when I was sick and I have a client who's dealing with this right now, eat something and it immediately comes out. Like she eats a piece of chocolate and she's on the toilet 12 minutes later. That's a great sign of a food intolerance. Your body is saying, I am not interested in having this in my system and I need to get it out as fast as possible. That's not normal. And then on the other end of the spectrum, constipation is also not normal. So if someone is pooping, you know, every other day, or uh, we have a client right now who came to us pooping uh, once every two weeks, really bad. That's not good. Stuff should not stay in your body that long because even if you're eating really good, high quality food, there's still toxins and your body has to get stuff out. And if it's staying in your body that long, your body's reabsorbing those toxins. So ideally a healthy person is 24 hours plus or minus from input to output. If it's a lot faster than that or much slower than that, we have a serious problem. Yeah, no. And I think that's a good kind of guideline for people just to take a self-assessment of like, how is their body working and processing and digesting the things that we're putting into our body? Because one of the most common things that I hear probably falls more on the the latter half of that, what we would call maybe in the constipation realm, where, you know, someone gets out of their normal routine, maybe they're traveling, for example, Mm -hmm. not sleeping in their normal place, they're not at their normal uh, eating, maybe their normal foods. And they like, don't use the restroom for multiple days. Like they don't poop for multiple days. And, um, and then that's not normal. And then we start taking things, whether it's, you know, laxatives or extra magnesium or whatever that might be to try and like help our body do what it's supposed to do naturally. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what do you think, uh, is mostly what people are dealing with when, when they end up coming to somebody like yourself and you end up really diving into like, we need to treat your gut. Does it fall mm-hmm. more on the, they're going a lot or they're having trouble going, or is it like split right down the middle? It's pretty split right down the middle. We have about 50% of our clients have chronic diarrhea, about 50% have chronic constipation. And then some combination of people have both, especially women. When it comes to their cycle, we have a lot of women who are constipated for most of their cycle. And then as soon as they get their period, they get diarrhea. Um, yeah. So gut dysbiosis you know, 
when we're looking at at healing someone's gut, constipation and diarrhea are definitely a factor that we're looking at. But more than that, we're looking at additional symptoms. So, you know, the patient that you just mentioned who was dealing with back pain that didn't seem to be going away, that's an immediate sign that something's wrong with your gut. We have inflammation and it's it's coming from somewhere and it's not necessarily a physical thing in, in terms of, you know, like your knee joint hurts. That your knee joint might be in alignment, but if we have inflammation, it's going to be, it's going to be not good. We have a lot of clients who come to us with rheumatoid arthritis and autoimmune kind of conditions. Again, that points directly back to our gut, everything skin related. And I, when I say everything, I try not to use the words always, never everything always, except in this case, when it's accurate, if you have a skin issue, it relates to your gut. So we have a lot of clients who come to us with eczema or psoriasis. We have a lot of women in their thirties who shouldn't have acne and do that's all gut related. Um, so when, when I say we need to heal your gut, we're, we're looking at obvious GI symptoms like gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, but we're also looking at all of the other things that are going on in your body that are our little fire alarms telling us that something is on fire and we need to go figure out what that is. And nine times out of 10, that's your GI track. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, well, I guess I got two things I want to bring up is, you know, you said gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, uh, to the people listening to this, that might sound like the commercial for Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> totally. I'm guessing that taking Pepto-Bismol is not the solution that you would recommend to address what's actually going on. And like, we know that that's true. So we'll get into that. But, um, but do you often, uh, do you often get pushed, not pushback, but I'm guessing sometimes when you bring that up to people like, Hey, you're having these skin issues or you're having these other types of symptoms. We strongly believe that this is probably coming from your gut. This is why, and this is what we want to go through assessing and potentially addressing do you sometimes get met with like resistance or lack of understanding of like people are like, what do you mean? It's coming from my gut. It's a skin issue. Um, yeah. Or, or are people pretty receptive to like, well, I've been dealing with this. I just want this problem to go away. So whatever you say, that's what we're going to go with. Yeah. Most of the time people are pretty receptive, unfortunately, actually. And I say, unfortunately, because usually by the time someone ends up working with us, they've tried 40 yeah. other things first that haven't worked. Yeah. And so, you know, especially with skin stuff, we have a client who just signed up with us two weeks ago, who she's in her mid thirties. She's had acne since she was 11, um, been on birth control, all the kind of normal things. And she's like, I've literally done everything. I've yeah. tried every face cream. I've tried every, like every face wash. She tried Accutane, like by the time someone ends up with us, they've usually tried everything. And so when I explain to them, which we'll talk about too here, you know, what gut permeability is and, and how that affects your body and, and what your body's kind of downstream results are from that, people go, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. Duh. How did I not start there? Um, we very rarely have people push back. And when people do push back, I say, give me five days of doing something different and then come back to me and tell me if it didn't work. And every single time they come back and they're like, that changed everything. So I'm pretty much in. Yeah, you, <laughs> so you, we don't, yeah. yeah, we don't get a lot of pushback because people are usually pretty desperate and, and ready for a solution. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much, you know, uh, like what I just said, Pepto-Bismol or any other example, there's so much of treating symptoms, not treating the root cause going on. Um, yep. and so, so let's go through that a little bit, um, Hallie of like, you brought up gut permeability. 
Or yep. like what what is the process of somebody eat something and what is the what is the normal process of like what's supposed to happen and mm-hmm. what is our gut supposed to do? And then maybe we can take that conversation into like what is not working? Like what are how the does it break? that people are dealing with? And then we can talk about, okay, how do we address that? Yeah, absolutely. So what's supposed to happen is we eat something and digestion starts in our mouth. So our saliva starts to break stuff down, chewing manually breaks stuff down. We ideally should be chewing our food until it's liquid. Most people take, you know, two chews and then swallow. So we're, we're throwing the whole system off right from the beginning. And because And most people are eating stressed. They're eating during lunch, working, they're eating in between stuff. So we're not actually allowing our body to get into a rest and digest state, which is what's required to digest food. So most people are messing up the system from the get-go. But we want to eat our food, we want to chew it, then it goes down our esophagus into our stomach. Heartburn, which is that kind of acid reflux, most people think is because of an excess of acid. Most of the time, it actually means that someone doesn't have enough stomach acid. And so that stomach acid should, again, break down that food even further. It should kill any bad bacteria that we don't want, which is also why a lot of probiotics are a total joke because they get killed by our stomach acid anyway. Um, They kill all that bad bacteria. They digest that food further, and then it moves into our small intestine. Most of the time when someone's dealing with acid reflux, it's not because they have too much acid, it's because they have not enough. And so that digestive process isn't working as quickly. If you think about, you know, putting a dime in battery acid, it dissolves instantly. That's what our stomach acid should be doing. And if someone has too little stomach acid, that food's not being broken down fast enough. And so it comes back up with some acid and it feels terrible. Um, But then what happens is people take Tums and all of these things that again bring the acid down even further. Yeah. And it just makes the problem way worse. It it dilutes it for a moment because whatever is coming up, it has less acid in it, but it just makes the problem get worse. And then it moves into our small intestine where a lot of nutrients are absorbed. And then it moves into our large intestine where the magic really happens because our large intestine is where all of our our pro our microbiome lives. So I say microbiome instead of bacteria because our microbiome is yeast and fungus and bacteria and there's good stuff of all of that and bad stuff of all of that. And so those colonocytes in our large intestine break down that food even further. They ferment it. They turn it into vitamin B12. That's a huge thing for our bodies. We can't get vitamin B12 without the bacteria in our stomach. And it's where that final absorption process happens. And so a lot of times we'll see people who have bad digestive health, who are also super deficient in vitamin B, super deficient in vitamin D, even if they're taking all the supplements because their body can't absorb it. Um, And then, and then that moves out. So that's what should happen is we chew it. Our acid breaks it down. It goes into our small intestine where we get a lot of our nutrients absorbed. It gets into our large intestine where it turns into a turd and we, that bacteria breaks it all down and then it comes out. The the biggest piece of where that system goes wrong is in our large intestine. Our large intestine's epithelial lining, so think about it as the skin on your large intestine is one cell thick. That's crazy. The skin under your eyes that's so fragile and delicate, that's about 30 cells thick. So this thing that is supposed to encapsulate and hold all of your food, all of your bacteria, all of your fecal matter is one cell thick. 
So what happens with most people and where where we see most of these downline symptoms, whether it's gas and bloating or eczema and psoriasis come from, is that epithelial lining has gotten a hole in it, which is not hard to imagine how that could happen when it's one cell thick and we're eating corn chips. Um, it gets a hole in it and now all that stuff starts leaking out. So we have food particles and poop particles and bacteria and fungus and viruses and all of these things leaking out into our body cavity. And then our immune system, which is designed to keep us safe and make sure that foreign invaders don't get where they aren't supposed to go, sets off a five alarm fire code and goes and attacks all of those things. The bummer is those things are apples and chocolate and you know, strawberries. And that's where food intolerances come from is your body has, your, your gut has had holes in it for long enough that your immune system has now started to identify things that are good for you as bad for you. And then once we start identifying good things as bad things, now we have constant inflammation all the time. Um, And as we know, inflammation, that's more of a common term causes everything from joint pain to acne to to cancer. Like everything comes back to inflammation, except the inflammation is usually a secondary root cause. It's not the primary root cause. Mm -hmm. Inflammation is a fire. That fire got started by something. And in most cases, it's gut permeability. The other piece that causes that gut permeability, the reason our epithelial lining can be one cell thick and we can survive is because we have a really thick mucosal lining in our large intestine that protects it. So think about, we have got this super fragile lining, but we've got this big padding of gelatin, goopy stuff on top of it that protects it. What happens when we eat high acidic food, when we eat processed food, when we eat processed sugar, is it breaks down that mucosal lining. And so then once that mucosal lining is broken down, then we tear through that gut lining like it's nothing. And then we get a lot of issues. Yeah, man. And I think it's pretty obvious to anyone listening to this, that this is not the first time you've had this conversation, <laughs> like the way you were able to rattle that off. And I felt like I was sort of back in, um, like back in my anatomy classes and whatnot, but, um, I guess the question that comes to mind hearing you say all that is, you know, we, we can tell when things get through our intestinal lining that are not supposed to get into our body, right? It makes sense. I think to everybody that that's going to start off fire alarms in the body and the body's going to freak out in response to that. We're going to have all different types of symptoms. There's probably many of people, many people that this is already happening to, right? That's Mm -hmm. why people have these symptoms that they have. What are some of the major, and you've already listed off some of these, what are some of like the most common symptoms that people feel that could potentially clue them in to like, wow, I might be dealing with this if they're listening to this and they're thinking about the things that their body's feeling, but they maybe haven't done anything gut related to try and treat it. What are the yeah. things people normally feel? And then what I want to ask you after that is like, what are people to do, right? Like, Okay, so now we have a problem. How do we go down the rabbit hole of figuring out like what's the actual issue? Like if someone has a food intolerance, mm-hmm. which ones are which ones are they? Or or how are people supposed to eat? So let's get into some of those questions in a minute, but like so say somebody's having leaking through the epithelial lining, through the mucosal layer, what are the types of like symptoms or problems that that tends to set off in a cascade for the body? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll start with the super obvious and then we'll go to the less obvious and then we'll go to the most severe. So the most obvious are digestive issues. You've got heartburn, you've got gas and bloating, you get distension after you eat, meaning you eat and you feel like you're eight months pregnant, whether you're a guy or a girl. Um, 
you have gas, you have diarrhea or constipation, like something is just kind of off in your GI tract. Those are the really obvious ones and usually the ones that come first. Then we get to the less obvious ones. So then we start to have skin issues. We start to have dark circles under our eyes. We start to deal with acne, eczema, psoriasis, that kind of stuff. Um, we start to deal with dry skin, dry mouth, dry lips, dry eyes. That That's a crazy one. Um, we start to get respiratory issues. Mm. Gut, Our gut and our lungs are really quite directly linked. And so a lot of times people will start have seeing an increase in allergy symptoms, or they'll just kind of have that like eh, 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 in their throat all the time. Um, or they'll, yeah, always. Um, or they'll start to notice that even though they're in shape, like breathing is a little hard when they start running or working out, um, or maybe they're not in shape, but they're realizing like, oh man, walking up the stairs is a little harder. That is a sign of inflammation. So those are some of the less obvious ones. And then we can go all the way to the most severe, which is if you are having an immune reaction every single time you eat, because stuff is leaking out of your gut, your immune system is an army. And if you have an army on full alarm fire all the time, it's going to start attacking things that it's not supposed to. So then we start seeing autoimmune disease. We start seeing Hashimoto's. We start seeing rheumatoid arthritis. We start seeing Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, we start seeing all of these kind of cluster of autoimmune diseases, which is basically your immune system has been on high alert for so long that now it's attacking things that it's not supposed to attack because it's starting to misidentify stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, those that's the those are the symptoms um i also like to say so hippocrates 2500 years ago said all illness starts in our gut and what's crazy about that is that we now have the research to back it up that it's true um we can link a lot of types of cancer to gut permeability. We can link Alzheimer's dementia to gut health and permeability. We can link eczema and psoriasis to gut permeability. Like all yeah. of it comes back to gut health. Um, and that used to be a cute saying, and now we have the research to back it up. So, you know, to sum that set of symptoms up, if you have a symptom and it's weird, it's probably your gut. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, it might be as simple as to boil it down to that. Um, what I know is not as simple is figuring out exactly what's going on and then addressing it. So, Yep. So say somebody is dealing with one or potentially a number of these symptoms and they've tried all the things, right? They've gone to four different doctors. They've talked to other kind of more naturopathic type of people. Maybe they're doing acupuncture or, or whatever it might be, right? Mm -hmm. The less obvious stuff than just the typical Western medicine kind of approach. Um, how do we start to unravel some of this and assess and figure out what the heck's going on so that we can actually address it from a root cause standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned food sensitivities, which I think is a really important one to talk about, especially because there's so many tests out there that you can just order something online and it can come. Um, my personal opinion, and this is somewhat of a controversial opinion, but a lot of my colleagues in this space agree, that is the absolute biggest waste of your money. And mm -hmm. here's why. If you have these symptoms, you have food intolerances. That's, I can tell you that right now. Um, the mistake that people make is they get this food intolerance test and then they cut all of those things out of their diet, which most people who take a food intolerance test, the stuff that comes up is the stuff that they eat all the time. Right. Um, the reason that it's coming up on that test is because you're eating it all the time and it's leaking out. Right. So the mistake that people make is they take that test and they just remove that from their diet. They're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm having a food intolerance to this. So I'm just going to stop eating this. 
Okay, except that you still haven't addressed the fact that you have holes in your gut. So now we're just going to switch what you eat, and then you're going to get food intolerances to those things too. Yeah, because the um, body wants none of that to come through that lining, right? Like we don't right. want anything to come through. So it doesn't matter what it is that's going through, your body's still going to react negatively to that happening. Exactly. Yeah. So I like to highlight that one because so many people spend so much money on those tests and they're not cheap and they're super unnecessary and they tell you absolutely nothing. Um, And then people get stuck on, so when I talk about a gut healing protocol, I'm talking about five steps. Step one is to remove stuff that's causing issues for a short period of time. And that's a really key piece. We don't want to remove foods forever. When my doctor said eat chicken and lettuce for the rest of my life, that's when I was like, I nope, <laughs> that's not an option. I need to find a new doctor. Yeah. I need to find a new doctor. Um, but but most people who do that food sensitivity test get that list back and go, oh, well, if I just stop eating these things, I'll feel better. And for the most part, they do, but they don't for long because then whatever they switched it to, they become intolerant to. Yeah. So step one is to remove the things that are causing the issue. The thing is we can remove those things without a food intolerance test because we use the elimination food plan, which is actually the gold standard for identifying food intolerances, not a test. Um, So if we think about, okay, you have all these symptoms, what do you do? Think about having a cut on your arm or something. That cut, because your body is amazing and a miracle, is going to heal itself as long as we don't do something stupid. So if the first thing to do is to remove whatever it was that made that cut, right? If it was a knife, we take the knife out of the cut. If it was we fell on the sidewalk, we pick our arm up off the sidewalk and don't keep grinding it into the cement. So step one is remove the problem. Step two is what we call repair which is to repair that mucosal lining that we just talked about in your gut because it works like a Band-Aid. So if you have a cut, you put a Band-Aid on it. Does the Band-Aid make your cut heal? No, but it keeps that cut protected from dirt and particles and all the things while it heals. So step two is we, we repair that mucosal lining. So we use some targeted supplements and then also alkalizing foods to help your body build up that mucosal lining while also doing things like maybe increasing your stomach acid or looking at digestive enzymes to kind of bridge the gap and help you digest. So remove repair, then we re-inoculate. So when someone has gut dysbiosis, which is this whole cluster of symptoms, um, that means that the bacteria in their gut, the fungus, the yeast is off. Um, Once we get inflammation and we introduce inflammation into the system, that actually changes the makeup of our microbiome. A, A reason that women will notice changes in their bowels throughout their cycles because our hormones change the makeup of that microbiome that that bacteria is not set. And so when we have chronic inflammation, when we have cortisol running through our system, it changes that makeup. So step three is to re-inoculate with the good stuff. So we need to get rid of the bad stuff. We need to re-inoculate with the good stuff, the good bacteria. Um, And you need to use a probiotic and probiotic foods that will make it through your stomach acid. Because if you just buy something from the grocery store, even if it's in the refrigerated section in a glass bottle, it's all dying in your stomach um, unless we have it in a capsule that protects it. And then step number five is to rebalance. So rebalance is a combination of, you know, stomach acid and, and enzymes, but it's also a combination of all of the other things that affect your gut, like balancing your hormones, getting your testosterone out of the toilet, getting your estrogen and progesterone balanced, helping you sleep more, helping you stress less, all of those things because they all affect your gut. 
And then that fifth step is actually to reintroduce. So now we start reintroducing those foods that you were maybe intolerant to or that your body wasn't processing well. And if we've done it right and your body has had the time to heal, which it takes time, just like if you have a cut on your arm, you know, it scabs over and then the scab falls off, but it's got that that super pink, tender, delicate skin for a while. And then eventually you notice that, oh, I don't even see the scar then you're, you're good. And most of the symptoms go away and those food toler- intolerances go away and you're, you're good. Yeah. Now, now with some of this, you know, obviously this is going to take some time. Like you just mentioned in a very average scenario that somebody might mm-hmm. come to you, like, like how long of time, if somebody is sticking to the plan, right. If somebody is going through the steps and you're suggesting, Hey, these are the things I want you to not eat right now. Uh, and they're not actually doing that. They're not like sneaking them every Saturday or something, potentially setting <laughs> themselves back. Uh, yeah. How long does this process to go through steps one through five typically take somebody? Are we talking like six months, a year? What What are we sort of looking at? Yeah. So for a gut healing protocol, those five steps that I just walked you through, the absolute bare minimum is 30. Most people, unless you're 20 and super healthy, aren't going to hit 30 days. Most of the time, it's going to look closer to 60, 90, 120. So somewhere between one and four months just for that gut healing protocol. And then what we say at Live Nourish, which I think is really important, is not being sick is not the same thing as being well. Yeah. If if you're those of you listening, Dr. Andrew Fix is fist pumping. Um, (laughs) Which you talk about all the time in physio room. Like just because you can get up and go to the toilet doesn't mean you're well. Like we want you to run a marathon or hike a mountain or whatever it is. We talk about the same thing. And so we talk about this illness to wellness spectrum. Having symptoms is illness. Not having symptoms is health. That's it. That's just neutral. Not being sick is not the same thing as wellness. Wellness is you're building resilience so that if you do get sick, you don't go all the way back to illness. You just go back to health. And then from health, we can rebuild to wellness. But I think that's really important. And so when we work with someone, we work with someone for a minimum of six months because it takes time. (laughs) It takes time. And usually we're working with someone for, for about a year. And the reason we work with someone for a year is one, because it takes time just to get you from illness to health is going to take us three to six months to get you from health to wellness is a whole nother thing. But in doing this work since 20, 2016 is when I started. One of the main things that I noticed with my clients is that life changes seasonally and what wellness means in the summer when your kids are home and the sun is out is very different from what wellness looks like in the winter when it's cold and your kids are at school and you're running around between all the basketball and soccer games. Um, and so what would happen is we would get someone from illness to health and then we would leave them there because we didn't, we didn't know what to do, um, to get them to wellness. And then, you know, life would change and they'd be right back in our office six months later with the same problems. Um, and so we had this moment where we're like, oh, we're not done when you're just symptom free. We're done when you have resilience. We're done when you know how to live well. We're done when you have rhythms of renewal in your life. Um, so that's a long answer, but three to four, one to three, one to four months to heal your gut. And then another six to eight to, to get you to a place where you don't have to deal with that ever again. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the way that you described that. And uh, I wish I could just take a, well, I do have a recording. We're recording <laughs> um, and just play that last part that you just said for all of our clients at Physio Room and anywhere else, because the the thing that you just talked through that used to happen, right? We would have people in our office, we would get them from illness to health, and then we would leave them there. We would, quote unquote, that happens in, in the traditional physical therapy office, we would discharge them. <laughs> Yep. And they would go back to doing the stuff that they were doing. And several months later, they're back in our office with the exact same symptoms. That right there is one of the reasons that I left the practice. The, the mm. uh, And it has nothing to do with the practice. I left the system that I was a part of to join a practice like Physio Room um, is because, like you said, we are not done or anywhere close to it when your symptoms are gone. Yeah, That's really where the, the good stuff, the treating the actual issue starts to like that's where it starts. That's where we can start addressing the root cause and build the resilience. Um, Like you said, it's a spectrum. It happens so often that people treat symptoms, they don't address the problem, and then life goes on and those same symptoms come right back. And what happens uh, in this, I'm sure happens for the gut too. But what happens in the physical, like the physical body from a musculoskeletal standpoint is when we have symptoms, let's take back pain, for example, because it's like the most common thing that we deal with. Um, yep. both as people and as providers, we treat clients that have back pain is someone gets an acute onset of back pain, whatever age they are at some point in our life, like 90% of people are going to deal with back pain to some degree in their lifetime. The most common treatment for that is people rest, people take ibuprofen or Advil or whatever you want to call it. They don't do anything active, right? They just <laughs> yep. do something to treat the symptoms and then their back starts to feel better. <laughs> and then they go back to living their life doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. As we age, our strength decreases, our mobility decreases, our body ages, right? Our tissues age. And every time we have one of these flare-ups, what unfortunately happens is people's activity level drops just a tiny bit and just a tiny bit and just a tiny bit. But it's like small enough that we don't really notice that oh, I'm actually doing less than I was the last time I tweaked my back. I'm lifting less. I'm hiking shorter distances. I'm whatever, whatever that is. And people's Mm -hmm. activity level keeps going down and down and down and down every time they tweak or flare up their back. Um, What One of the things I like to sometimes say to clients here at Physio Room, and pardon my language, is like we tell people getting back to baseline is bullshit. Like, if we're just getting you back to baseline, your baseline was you were you were dealing with symptoms. You were just like living your life and surviving is not the same as thriving. And uh, yep. like, like you said, like health does not mean wellness. Health mm-hmm. just means I don't have symptoms. I'm just status quo. Like you're zero on a on a graph, right? You're, you're not yep. just continuing to move in this upward trajectory. You're just not in the negative. And um, it is so, man, it's so true. That got me so jazzed up hearing you say that health and wellness and illness, those are a little nebulous. Think about debt and wealth. Yes. Like if you're in debt, you have a major problem. If you get to a sum zero, meaning you're out of debt, that is not the same thing as building wealth. Right. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. You and me and every health professional who is worth their salt. Yeah. We're trying to build wealth in in the individual, um, in their body. And yeah. So one of the things, one of the things that you mentioned, and it's funny because I have, I have a bag of them right downstairs right now. I might be eating them or I might not after this conversation, uh, <laughs> after we talk. But one of the things that you mentioned or you brought up was 
corn chips, right? Or mm-hmm. just something that's like sharp and pointy that it's not surprising that that might poke and cause damage to that epithelial lining and layer that we have in our intestines. When you work with clients or if you were you were giving a recommendation to the people listening to this, even if someone's not dealing with these types of symptoms, right? Are there certain foods that because of the risk reward of mm. potentially leading to a problem, are there certain things that generally speaking, you would just recommend people avoid? Um, or is that just, you know, or do you fall in the camp of like, well, live life in moderation to sort of thing? Um, what, how would you uh, answer that? That's an awesome question. I am mostly in the moderation camp with some exceptions. So um, I'll talk about corn chips real quick, just because that was a funny example. If you have a healthy digestive system and you chew your food and your stomach acid dissolves it, by the time it gets to your large intestine, it's nothing. Like if you have a healthy digestive system, please eat corn chips. It's fine. If you have a broken digestive system and you're not chewing your food, now we have a problem. Um, The way that I talk about food instead of everything in moderation is I talk about it in four categories and then I'll get to the, the, what are the never ever eats? So the four categories of food that we talk about at live nourished are information, calories, connection, and medicine. So we'll start with calories. Cause that's what most people think about. Cause most people I know are trying to lose weight. Every weight loss program on the planet is about calories in calories out. You eat fewer calories than you're, than you burn you know, or fewer calories than you, yeah, than you need, right? You'll lose weight. It's just about energy. That's if you put gas in your car, it will drive down the road. If your car is out of gas, it will run out of gas. Um, Most people think about that. And that's important. The energy aspect of food, what the energy that it gives our body to function is important, but it's only one of four. The next category is information. So for example, diet Coke versus broccoli, you eat that, it probably has a similar caloric intake, similar energy. Um, but diet Coke is fake sugar, which your body, there's a reason your body doesn't turn diet Coke into, into, you know, stored sugar because it's not sugar. Your body doesn't recognize it as a food. Your body actually recognizes that sucralose or whatever it is as a foreign invader. (laughs) So your body goes, oh, my human just drank a virus. I need to attack that. And that's partly why we see all of these fake sugars having serious links to autoimmune diseases because the information that it's giving your body is very different than broccoli, right? You eat broccoli and it has sulforaphane and all of these cancer fighters and all of these awesome things, very different information, pushing the red button versus the green button different situation. Mm -hmm. The next category is medicine. So I like to say that food is the fastest way to heal yourself or the slowest way to kill yourself. What you're eating matters. And if you are trying to heal your gut or get rid of back pain or, you know, get rid of your achy feet in the morning or get rid of your rheumatoid arthritis symptoms, food is the fastest way to do that. And so there are times when we need to really focus on the medicinal categories of food and maybe not eat the corn chips, maybe not eat the bread because we're trying to heal. Um, And then the fourth category is connection. And connection is the one that I think really sets us apart at Live Nourished. I hear nobody talking about this ever, but I also think it's equally as important because food is connection to each other, to culture, to tradition. You know, we're coming up on Christmas and we just got through Thanksgiving. Food is connection. And if we ignore that, we're ignoring a massive element of what food is for us as humans and what it does for us. I have a client who um, had severe type two diabetes 
And her doctor basically was like, you're either going on at metformin or I'm dropping you as, as a patient. And she didn't want to go on metformin. And so she called us and we got her, we got her to such a good place, but she was still in that type two category. We got her from a, an 8.2 to a 6.8, which is amazing. Um, and she just couldn't stop eating cookies. And I was like, like you've given up everything. Like what the heck is it about chocolate chip cookies that like we just can't shake? And it turns out that her mom had passed away when she was 11 and she and her mom used to make chocolate chip cookies together. That Like that story makes me cry. And so that chocolate chip cookie had nothing to do with her health. It was about her connection to her mom. Yep. And if we, if we didn't acknowledge that and we didn't we didn't dial in on what those chocolate chip cookies actually meant. These other four categories are completely meaningless. Um, so that's a long answer to, you know, do I eat chocolate chip cookies? Yeah, I absolutely do. Do I eat pizza on Friday when we get it from Nightingale Bakery downtown? Yes, I absolutely do. Um, because it's connection and, and moderation is important. Now, diet, diet anything, I won't touch that with a 10-foot pole ever. Um, yeah because it's not food. Anything that has red dye 40 in it, I won't touch that with a 10 foot pole. We had a client who came to us whose daughter was having like rage fits um, and they would use M&Ms as rewards. And anytime she had an M&M, two hours later, she would have these rage fits. And I was like, can you just take the red dye 40 out? Like maybe use raspberries or something. And we solved the problem. Um, So, you know, fake sugar, anything with food coloring or BHT preservatives, most of the, most anything processed from the Asian store, not because it I avoid because it has BHT and MSG and all this stuff. Those are never evers. Um, um, seed oils, like quote, vegetable oil and safflower oil, those kind of things are never evers for me. There's, there's absolutely no reason to eat that. And there's a million alternatives that taste just as good. Um, but those are really kind of the only things I put in the never ever category. I eat pizza and I eat burgers and I eat French fries. I don't eat them a lot. I eat mostly real food from the ground, but yeah, that's how I would answer that question. Four yeah. categories. Connection is important. And if it's real food, eat it. Yeah. I love that. And I think that connection one is so, you know, interesting to hear you say like, that's something that sets you guys apart at Live Nourished because yeah, it's not surprising to me to hear that other providers didn't didn't come across that piece of the conversation with that client you mentioned with her mother and the cookies. And it, you know, it also probably had nothing to do with even what those cookies tasted like. It's just like that's not the purpose of eating them. It's more of an emotional thing, an emotional connection. And it sounds so similar to like what we try to do with clients in our office too of like sometimes people do things physically that cause them pain because they really want to do it for a different reason than just doing the thing. It's, yep. you know, they're playing with their kids or maybe they love running so much because running helped them lose 50 pounds. And they're afraid that if they stop running, they will gain that weight back. Even though we know there's many other ways that you could keep the 50 pounds off than just running. There's many things yep. you can do, but sometimes there's a huge emotional connection to something, whether it's food or a movement or an activity or a place and I mean, just the simple idea or concept of like going out to restaurants and eating out for yep. me, the connection part in the cultural part in the relationships with other people is the whole reason to go do that in the first place. Yep. Quite frankly, most of the time I enjoy the food that I eat at home better than I enjoy at the restaurant. And <laughs> it costs 
a fraction of the price to make it at home. Like yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've gone out somewhere and whether it's a burger or whether it's a steak or like whatever it is that I'm eating, I'm like, man, I just paid like 40 bucks for this. I could have been just as pleased with the steak that I made on my own grill at home. And it would have been cooked exactly how I wanted it to. Cause I'm used to how the grill is <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but it's just about the other things that happen when you're there and the other things that food and traditions and mealtime can bring us on the right. connect with other human beings. So, um, right. so yeah, we did, you know, shortly after I spoke with you last time, I recorded a, a short solo episode on, um, you know, the sort of the topic of like slowing down while you eat and being mindful. Mm. And, and you guys had an email that came out about mindful eating and intuitive eating and stuff. And um, one of the things that I've been trying to do since recording that episode is like, not have my phone on me while I'm eating, um, not be like trying to eat while I'm sending emails or, or like doing something else that's mentally distracting and just focus on the food and focus on taking your time, chewing it. The meals take just a little bit longer, um, mm -hmm. but you feel full, you're more satisfied, you're less, less mentally stressed because you're not just trying to multitask the whole time. But yep. um, to that point, the reason I wanted to bring it, bring that up is like a lot of times we're trying to do something mentally demanding while we're trying to eat and our gut is then trying to start doing the digestive process and what you and I know that I want to learn more from you is there's this like huge connection between the gut and our brain and like yes the side of things in the gut and the gut is often termed like the second brain and mm -hmm. I just want you to talk on that for just a minute before we start the process of like wrapping this up because I think it's a huge piece that we didn't we didn't yet talk about and I want to make sure we don't forget that yeah it's a massive piece. So the gut is called our second brain. Um, when a fetus is developing in utero, the specification or the specialization of cells that split off to make the brain are the same group that make the gut. So they're literally made of the same cells. And the connection between the gut and the brain, but specifically between gut health and mental health is yeah. now super research-backed and fascinating. So just to give you, you know, some tidbits to grab onto, 95% of our serotonin is actually created in our large intestine. So when someone is dealing with anxiety and depression, it's a norepinephrine and a serotonin deficiency. What gets prescribed is an SSRI or an SNRI, which allows the body to reuse whatever amount of serotonin and norepinephrine is already there. It doesn't actually address the issue of why wasn't there enough in the first place, and the reason there's not enough in the first place is your gut. Um, that's a huge one. Another, this is a really extreme dramatic story, but I think it illustrates the point really well. We had a client come to us who had been constipated since age eight um, on Linzest and, you know, every anti-constipation medicine on the planet and still had trouble going. And as we were doing her intake, we do a full birth till now intake. So health, mental health, all of this. Mm. She told me that she had been abused by her dad in a physical, sexual way at eight. And that's when the constipation started. And I went, oh. Um, and so what I told her is I said, you know, we can get your gut functioning better, but I'm not going to be able to get you constipation free until you deal with it. She'd never been to counseling. She'd never like really dealt with it. She'd done some, some talk therapy, but not a lot. And so what I told her is I said, you know, we're a piece of the puzzle because we can help you with the physical side, <clears throat> but you have to deal with this mental, emotional side, or we're not going to get you there. And I mean, like, that's a pretty 
pretty direct link. Like this abuse caused constipation. Um, and that's a gut brain connection. Like I've maybe never seen before. And so she said, I said, if you're going to work with us, you have to work with a counselor too. And she said, okay. Um, and she did. And so she's worked with us for 11 months now, um, and is constipation free. She poops well close. She poops every other day now, which is awesome. Way, way movement from like three weeks with Lindsay. Um, so that's a huge example. We have another we have another client who was actually referred to us from a counselor. Um, they they'd made us, you know, some headway and then they just gotten stuck. And this client was dealing with a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of kind of those mental health issues. And her counselor said, Hey, I need you to go deal with your gut. Cause if we don't deal with, with these IBS kind of symptoms, we're not going to be able to get past these things. And so she stopped doing counseling for four months. She came and worked with us. We fixed her gut. We sent her back to counseling. Yeah. Um, we had a HIPAA release between us and her counselor. Her counselor called me and said, I have never seen her so alive. And we've been able to get through stuff that we couldn't get through before. Um, and I think that's super cool. So those are anecdotal, but the really nitty gritty science is, you know, your gut produces the hormones that your brain needs to function. And if yep. your gut isn't functioning right, your brain isn't going to be functioning right. And vice versa, if your brain isn't functioning right, you know, cortisol, stress hormones, adrenaline, all of that changes the makeup of the microbiome in your gut. So if you're dealing with anxiety, your gut is out of whack because we've got way too much cortisol in your system. Um, and so we, like, we really can't heal one without the other and we have to heal both in order to heal either. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and you know, I have been an athlete my entire life and I've had so many, um, I guess you call it like physical traumas from sports and things, injuries. Mm -hmm. and whatnot. Fortunately, I've not, um, anything I can think of. I've not really had like too significant of like emotional traumas besides what everyone has probably dealt with, you know, the loss of a loved one and whatnot, but nothing like what you just described. But I don't have to look any farther to find a connection between the brain and the gut than all of the sports that I've ever played. Because when you, every athlete that I've ever spoken with, and I talked to so many runners is you know, they get butterfly feelings in their stomach before a race or a competition that is really important to them. <laughs> and like, if there wasn't this connection between the brain and the gut, that, that stuff would not happen because like yep. the brain is why you're so focused and, and anxious and built up like adrenaline and stuff for the event that you're about to do. It's obviously very important to you. And then you start having gut related symptoms before your race or, or whatever, yep. before your game or before your meet or, or a public speaking engagement or like whatever it might be is it can drive one way and it can drive the other way. Right. This is a very two way uh, street here. So no, yep. I think, I think that makes perfect sense. And I, I don't think I knew the, uh, the serotonin part that you just said about mm -hmm. how like that's pretty much produced in our large intestine. Um, and I think it is just so ironic that, um, we have so many gut-related issues in so many people in this country and many other countries. We also have very uh, many mental health-related challenges that people are dealing with. I don't always like to use the term um, mental illness because I think a lot of these things are like, they're not illnesses. They're like things that people are dealing with that are so common and it's not like a disease. It's mm -hmm. it's another part of our body that we need to work on and, and train and uh, coach all the time. So um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's just so ironic and eye-opening to to hear somebody like yourself say say that the way that you did. Thank you. Yeah, and the the athlete example is 
perfect. And everyone can relate to that. Even non-athletes, you you get a crush on someone and you kind of like them and you feel that same thing in your stomach. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. Plus our brain and our, our digestive tract are the only two organs that are directly connected through our vagus nerve. Every other organ is connected to our vagus nerve from other nerves, but our brain and our GI tract are connected directly on the largest, fastest pathway nervous system in our body. Um, So when we think about that, you know, our nerves go instantly from our toe to our brain, but Mm -hmm. it's a 12 lane highway from our gut to our brain. Yeah. And I'm explaining it's, it's also funny to hear you describe it that way because it's true. And I explain to people like how the body works, like, <laughs> like our body didn't evolve and change and become what it is today by accident. Right. Nope. Like we, we formed and evolved the way that we did for a reason. And the, the simple fact of like that, those two pieces are so closely connected. Um, obviously there's a huge reason for that. Right. Otherwise yep. it would be just like all the other connections, um, and the way that those work through other, other peripheral nerves. Totally. Well, Hallie, but I want to make sure we uh, respect your time. Is there anything that we left out that you want to make sure we we touch on gut related or um, or the mind or anything like that before we make sure people know how they can get a hold of you and your team at Live Nourished um, if they have any additional questions? Such a good question. I mean, I really could talk about gut health all day long. It's what I'm super passionate about and a total nerd. And, you know, we like chipped the ice chip off the iceberg tonight. Um, But no, I think, I think what I would probably leave your audience with is there's hope. Um, You know, just because a symptom is, is common and a lot of people have it doesn't mean it's normal at all. You don't need to deal with it. And it's a lot easier to resolve than you think. Um, so for anybody out there who's feeling hopeless for whatever reason, whether you have a torn meniscus and your knee hurts or you have these symptoms and you can't figure it out, there's hope and there's a way out. And thank God our body is designed to heal itself. We just have to set it up right mm-hmm. to do so. Um, so, you know, what you're dealing with, even if it's common, it's not normal and there's hope there's a way out. Yeah. Yeah. Set yourself up for success, uh, from the inside out. Um, maybe, uh, who knows, maybe that'll be the name we use for this episode. We'll decide here after we, uh, after we wrap it up, Hallie, for people that listen to this again, thank you guys. But if people have questions, they want to reach out to you. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you or somebody else, uh, with your team and network there at live nourished. Yeah, our website is the best. So www.livenourishedcoaching.com, L-I-V-E-N-O-U-R-I-S-H-E-D coaching.com. There's a big button in the top right-hand corner that says book a free consult. We'd love to talk to you. It's not a sales call. It's a let me listen to you and and hear what's going on and help you get pointed in the right direction. So if anything from this podcast stuck out to you or you're curious, you're going, oh my gosh, that's me book a consult. We'd love to talk to you. And then we're on Instagram and TikTok at livenourishedcoaching.com or at livenourishedcoaching, I guess, for Instagram and TikTok. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We'll put that stuff in the show notes, you guys. And again, like I said, for anybody that tuned in to listen to this episode, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Obviously, you can tell by the conversation we're having, this is a topic that we're very passionate about. Hallie's very passionate about it. And then there's just so many parallels between how our body's feeling on the inside and how we feel on the outside. And it just can't be overlooked. So if there is something you're dealing with, get in touch with us at physio room, get in touch with Hallie and her team, 
with that contact information in the show notes. And um, we will catch you guys next time on another episode of The Code. Thank you so much. This episode of The Code is brought to you by MoveMate, the award-winning active standing board that makes the perfect companion to your computer workstation. This is Dr. Andrew Fix, physical therapist and host of The Code. I can't recommend this product enough. Since I started using it, I notice I'm more focused during meetings, less uncomfortable while working on the computer, and simply more productive. Not to mention, the small activity you get while using it is great for your body and sure beats sitting in a chair the whole day. Do yourself a favor and order yours today. Visit www.letsmovemate.com slash Dr. Andrew Fix. While you're there, use promo code DRA15 to take 15% off the price. I hope you enjoy it.